G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Dr. Michael Youssef helps you face the doubts in life on this episode of Leading the Way Audio. If doubt is not dealt with immediately, it can erode the foundation of the faith. It can cause you self-condemnation and it can cause you depression. It can make you cynical and it can make you critical. And that is why the Apostle John gives us ways by which we must deal with doubt as soon as it shows its ugly head. You know, the Christian life sometimes feels like a roller coaster. God's amazing grace takes you to amazing new highs. And then, as life closes in, doubt drags your thoughts and emotions to new lows. Welcome to Leading the Way, where today, Dr. Michael Youssef challenges you to put doubt in its place. And by doing so, experience victory. It's part of his life-changing series, Life at Its Best. Before Dr. Yusuf begins, please accept this reminder to reserve your seat for next month's special evangelistic event with Dr. Yusuf in Sydney. Get information and tickets at ltw.org. Join me in listening to Dr. Michael Yusuf's anointed teaching. But first, make a note of this phone number. Contact a ministry representative to learn more about the worldwide impact of leading the way on this number, 1300-133-589. That's 1300-133-589. Most of us have to admit that from time to time we go through times of doubt. The problem is there have been so many prevailing thoughts and teaching about how to deal with doubt that are not necessarily biblical. The Bible teaches that from time to time, depending on when you are in life, doubt can creep in to all of us. The question is what you do with it and how you deal with it and when you deal with it is the most important thing. What do you do? You ignore it? No. Do you accept it? No. Do you believe it? No. Doubt must be faced head on. Doubt must be dealt with immediately. Doubt must be acknowledged honestly. Doubt must be processed and reasoned out. Now, don't misunderstand me. Doubt is frightening. It really is. And that is why the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, James, tells us in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, he said, the habitual doubter, the continuous doubter, the person who lives in doubt is a double-minded man and is troubled in all his ways. Why do I tell you that doubt must be dealt with and acknowledged decisively and immediately? Because if doubt is left unchecked, if doubt is not dealt with immediately, it can lead to greater trouble in our lives. 
if doubt is not dealt with immediately, it can erode the foundation of the faith. It can cause you self-condemnation, and it can cause you depression. It can corrode your joy and your peace with God and with others. It can make you cynical, and it can make you critical. And that is why the Apostle John gives us ways by which we must deal with doubt as soon as it shows its ugly head. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 11. As John gives us the tools to deal with doubt and to demolish doubt in order to continue in that journey of life at its best. Verse 14 really sums it up. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Now, listen to me. (laughs) He is not saying that sometimes we get disappointed and angry with a brother or sister in Christ. He's not saying that sometimes we strongly disagree with other believers. He's not saying that sometimes we get irritated by other believers. He's not saying that sometimes we may feel it necessary not to do business with another believer. He's not saying that. No. He is saying what you do with these disagreements, what you do with this anger, what you do with these disappointments is what matters the most. Why? Because if you allow these things to turn into hatred, it, that hatred begins to possess you. And once it possesses you, it can turn you into a murderer. And that's why he goes on to give us the example of Cain. I'm going to come to that in a minute. But all of that process begins with doubt. The process of hatred and the process of murder in the mind begins with doubt. You say, how come? It all began with doubt. I'm going to show you how come. Adam and Eve taught their boys about the Garden of Eden. They taught them why they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They taught them how they were evicted from paradise. Uh, and why the flaming sword guarding the tree of life, and how God Himself killed an innocent lamb and shed an innocent blood in order to redeem them and redeem their sin. There's no doubt that they taught their children that animal sacrifice is God's way for repentance, is God's way for redemption of sin. Abel obeyed God's instruction through his parents. Abel obeyed God's teaching through his parents. Abel followed the principle of animal sacrifice, but Cain doubted it. See, it all begins with doubt. He doubted God's Word. He doubted his parents' teaching. He doubted the validity of God's principle. And when doubt is not dealt with, it turns into hatred and anger. And when anger is not dealt with, turns into murder. But that's not all. In Genesis 4, 7, God pleaded with Cain, turn away from your anger, turn away from your anger. But he wouldn't. He stubbornly refused. His doubt, which turned into anger, led him into killing his brother. Doubt caused him to refuse to acknowledge God's way and God's authority. And when God tried to reason with him, when God tried to explain right from wrong to him, when God tried to appeal to him to curb his anger, he turned from him. 
he refused. And that conflict still rages today. You see it on your television screen every night. The hatred that is so deep. The resentment that could not care less who gets hurt. You see, only Jesus Christ can change a heart. And that's what that's the business we're in. Because we know without Jesus Christ, this world will be inflamed and engulfed in hatred and murder. The bottom line is this. For everyone who calls themselves a Christian, a child of God, the question is this. The bottom line is this. Is it his will or mine? That's the bottom line. Verse 13 of chapter 3, 1 John, gives us a warning. He said, don't be surprised when your love is met with hatred. Don't be surprised. In fact, Jesus takes this attitude of hatred further because he knows our hearts. He knows our attitudes. He, Matthew 5, 21 and 22, you know the passage, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said that while the world will judge the action of the hatred, namely murder, God judges the attitude because we can kill inside of our hearts. He said, you have heard that it was said to the people of long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or hates his brother will be subject to judgment. You see, they might get out of the judgment of man, but they cannot get out of the judgment of God. And verse 16 makes it very clear. Hatred which is the opposite of love, can destroy another's life. Whether it's by thought or deed, it destroys another's life. Well, so what's the answer? What's the answer? John gives it to us. You keep on loving without counting the cost. You keep on loving expecting nothing in return. You keep on loving without deciding if the person is worthy of your love or not. You keep on loving without self-interest, even if your love is met with ingratitude. You keep on loving anyway. You say, that's impossible. And I agree with you. On your own, strength is impossible. But we've been given the power to do the impossible. And that's where that hatred comes in here, why it begins with doubt. It begins with doubt. When you begin to doubt the power of God that is given to you to love and forgive. You see, once you doubt that power, you don't have that power. And you get into this process. John asks, how do we know that we are in the truth? How do we know that we are at peace with God? How do we know that we are the children of God? How do we know that we can overcome doubt in life? How can we receive answers to our prayer? Look at it. It's in the text. John said, even when our hearts condemn us, even when our conscience condemn us, even when others condemn us, even when Satan condemns us, God is greater. God is greater. Amen. I know there are some people who allow Satan's condemnation upon their life to turn into self-condemnation, and, and they really begin to believe that condemnation. Make no mistake about it. Doubt will lead to self-condemnation. 
And self-condemnation is going to lead you into terrible trouble. In fact, it will lead you of living away from the Lord. I want you to hear me out on this one. The Bible said that there is no condemnation upon those who are in Christ Jesus. And when you doubt that promise of God, when you doubt that word of God, you will buy into Satan's false accusation of you. You will believe Satan's false accusation of you. You will believe the lie of condemnation. And that will lead you to more sin every time. Let me tell you a story that will illustrate what I'm trying to tell you. Some time ago, there was a special service in the Ohio Penitentiary. It was in the chapel, and there was the governor announcing the pardon and the release of some of the prisoners. And suspension was mounting. They did not know who, whose name is going to be called out. And they were all sitting in absolute silence and anticipation. And so the name is read. Reuben Johnson, come forward and receive your pardon. No one responded. No one responded. The chaplain looked at the man and he said to him, he said, Reuben, that's you. Come on down. Reuben looked behind him, thinking there was somebody named Reuben Johnson somewhere sitting there. And then he pointed directly at him and he said, You! Come down! That's right. You're the man. After a long pause, he slowly approached the platform and to receive his pardon from the governor. But that's not all. At the end of the meeting... As the prisoners lined up to go back to their cells, Reuben Johnson filed in in the same line and going back to his cell. And finally, the warden had to yank him out and say, you cannot go there. Reuben, you don't belong here anymore. You are a free man. Beloved, there are believers like Reuben Johnson. When they are plagued with doubt... They don't, don't deal with it. They live as if they have never been redeemed. They live as if they've never been forgiven. They live as if they've never been Calvary's blood shed for them. Of course, that is different from the tug of the heart upon a believer. Conscious heart, the Bible talks about the heart meaning the totality of who we are. And that tug of the heart looms as a result of saying or doing that which is, which is inconsistent with our new nature, which is inconsistent with God's Word. From the spiritual giants to the brand new believers, everyone feels that tug. But that's not condemnation. I have it on a daily basis. I feel it on a daily basis. But it is different from doubt that leads into condemnation. And the difference between self-condemnation and the gentle tug of the Holy Spirit that reminds us of the wrong things that we did, the difference are like day and night. 
One is like Reuben, <laughs> who could not believe that he's been set free. And the other is like a judge, who's constantly probing, questioning, examining. Our heart or our conscience, which knows more about us than any other person except God, is forever tugging on us. And that's all right. But unlike the accusations of Satan, which is false, often our hearts are convicting us of the truth. Our enlightened conscience convicting us. And these are always true, not false accusations. And so what is John saying here? Right there in the text. John is saying, here's what you do with that tug. Don't ignore it. Don't shrug it off. Don't mark it down as to peer pressure. Or don't pretend it exists. No. But rather, face it head on. How? By realizing that God is bigger than your heart. That God is bigger than your conscience. That God is greater than your fear. By realizing that God is more than your heart, that God knows better than your heart, by recognizing that God knows your strengths and He knows your weaknesses, that God knows your gains and your losses, that God knows your successes and failures, that God knows your measurement of love toward Him and toward others, that God knows you're imperfect, that God knows that your hearts cry to Him for more Christ-likeness, for more consistent prayer life, for more consistent Christian life. God knows that. But listen to me, that ought to comfort us, not threaten us. That ought to bless us, not hurt us. That ought to motivate us, not discourage us. That ought to give us confidence, not terrify us. Why? Because we know that the Lord already accepted us and received us and gave us His last name. And that He never turns us away. When you come to Him, He forgives you. He doesn't condemn you. And so we can boldly come to Him face to face because we belong to Him. Because He already lavished His love upon us. Listen, it is so easy for some believers to become so uptight after failure and sin that they never release that uptightness through confession and repentance and seeking God's forgiveness. John said, if you stay in that uptightness, that's a big mistake. It is so easy for some of us to be so hard on ourselves that we stay away from the Lord. Big mistake. It is so easy for some people not to ask God for everything that God wants for us to ask for. Big mistake. It is so easy for some of us to allow our pride to keep us from the sunshine of His love. It is so easy for some of us to call ourselves miserable failures, and to tell ourselves that we can never succeed. Big mistake. On the other hand, when we are totally resting on His grace, when we're totally resting on His mercy and love, you will pray big prayers because you will know that you have a big God 
and you're not in doubt. You will pray what God's desire to give you. You will pray claiming what God had promised in His Word. You will pray everything that's in His will for you. When I was thinking about the difference between condemnation and the thug that the Holy Spirit uses to bring His children closer and closer to the Lord and asking for forgiveness on a daily basis. I thought of a story. It was about a man in Spain who was sentenced to death. This man was an American citizen, but he was British-born. Both the counselors of Great Britain and the United States intervened because they felt that was the wrong accusation, and the man was falsely accused. And they declared that the Spanish authority had no right to take this man's life. But their protest went unheeded. Finally, they deliberately wrapped the man with both flags, the flags of both countries, the Stars and Stripes and the Union Jack. And they dared the executioners to shoot and kill that man. In fact, they said, Fire if you dare, but if you do, you will bring the power of these two great nations upon you. And the Spanish authorities did not shoot this man who was wrapped in the two flags. The salvation of that man was only possible, not because who he was, but because of the flag in which he was wrapped. And in a similar way, beloved brothers and sisters, our hearts may condemn us, John says. Our hearts may bring us doubt. Our hearts may threaten to undo us. But because we are wrapped in the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary, we cannot be condemned eternally. But when we come under conviction, we go to the Father in confession, brokenness, and contrite heart knowing that there is no condemnation upon those who are in Christ Jesus. Our hearts cannot shoot to kill because we are wrapped in the Christ of Calvary. Who is greater than our doubts? Who is greater than our fears? Who is greater than all of self-condemnation? Encouragement to wrap yourself in God's grace and forgiveness. Life-changing words from Dr. Michael Yusuf on this episode of Leading the Way Audio. If today's message sparked questions, you're invited to begin a conversation with a Leading the Way pastor. Review our FAQ page and perhaps fill out a contact form so you can speak with someone personally. Begin it all at ltw.org Jesus. You know, if you benefit from Dr. Yusuf's teaching on Leading the Way, let me challenge you to engage even further with additional content available. Recently, Dr. Yusuf challenged his son, Jonathan, to engage with the unique needs of people navigating the current culture. And he developed a podcast that you'll want to consume and share with family and friends, especially the next generation. It's called Candid Conversations with Jonathan Yusuf. Episodes drop each Tuesday. There's a new one tomorrow with content that tackles the hottest topics in current culture through a biblical lens. 
Listeners, hear biblical words about abortion, suicide, raising a special needs child, transgender questions, responding to life's tragedies, and so much more. Join Jonathan each week, sometimes with a trusted guest, and sometimes just Jonathan and his pastoral insights from the Bible. Each episode offering you knowledge and practical insights into how to speak into the unique days in which we live. Whether it's answering the questions of a co-worker or leading your own family spiritually, Jonathan's insights will be a refreshing voice into the explosive issues of today. Find out more when you visit ltw.org. Click on the Listen link, ltw.org. Or subscribe to Candid Conversations with Jonathan Yusuf through your favourite podcast platform. Well, that music tells me we're just about out of time. But please put us on your calendar and listen to the next episode of Leading the Way. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 